0: Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah, yeah. Graham Beasley from sportsfreak.co.nz, how are you, sir? I'm very well, you self Yeah, good, thank you, mate. And Andrew Gordy from News Hub, uh, the president of the Cristiano Ronaldo Fan Club in New Zealand. How are you? <laughs> uh, for, Formerly, I think, uh, I, I, uh, I
1: got rid of that title uh, a few months ago. I think. Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm
0: pretty good. That's good. Hey, we'll we'll talk World Cup in a minute, but uh, I want to start with the sacking of Eddie Jones by English rugby, and uh, where he sits. I think, and that legacy at, at English Rugby uh, where it sits for him. After Sir Clive Woodward uh, very graciously said this, he will be remembered for the misguided rhetoric and unfulfilled promises, a shadow of the Jones I competed with and whose first years were su- so successful. Uh, Gordy, it doesn't sound like those guys exchange Christmas cards.
1: Well, look, if they did exchange Christmas cards, I don't think they'll be uh, exchanging any more after uh, comments like that. Um, yeah, it's, look, it's no real surprise, is it? I mean, this was certainly uh, a move that we we all saw coming. Uh, it was you know heavily telegraphed, obviously through through the uh, British media and whatnot. So it was uh, yeah, not not a surprise whatsoever to wake up to that news this morning. Um, Eddie Jones is a real divisive figure, isn't he? And um, you know, it's really hard to argue with his his overall track record. I mean, his his longevity in the game and his ability to sort of move with the times and, and let's, let's remember we're talking about a very long period of time here you know not many coaches I think have the ability to stay relevant uh, and, and uh, able to adapt I suppose um, for the amount of time and with so many different teams as Eddie Jones has um, but maybe he's just come to the end of his run and he's one of those coaches I think that, that is, is good in short bursts with teams but I think what England have found is perhaps he just overstayed his welcome. And uh, I suppose the unfortunate thing for them is uh, now being forced into a change um, you know, less than a year out from a World Cup. So it'll be interesting to see, I suppose, we all know that England have the ability. Um, it'll be interesting to see whoever comes in, and we obviously expect it's going to be Steve Borthwick, um, what he'll be able to do with this team, will he be able to turn them around and turn into... Uh, World Cup contenders uh, in the space of less than twelve
0: months. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think they do need somebody internal at least until the World Cup, who knows the players, who knows uh, the system, uh, Graham. And uh, that said, it'd be interesting to see what they do because you know, talking to a few people from up there, including you know Martin Gillingham, who's a pretty well-respected commentator, he thinks Borthwick's a, a step backwards. He's reasonably one-dimensional as a coach. He believes they need an international coach.
2: Yeah, um, um, first of all, isn't Clive Woodward a piece of work? You know, there's nothing like a bitter ex-coach.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right there, Graham. Nothing like a bitter ex-coach. I think we've lost um, Graham. Oh, oh, there he but, is. You know, what a,
2: what a- well,
0: we're well, not sure what's going on here. He sent us to the printer, Gordy. We lost Gordy as well.
1: Yeah, not quite sure. No, no, nah, nah, you've got me, you've got me, don't worry. Uh, up here in Auckland, the... Uh, the uh, Welcome reception. It's just fine, mate. Um, <laughs> down there in the wall, so I'm not quite sure what's going on. He's right about to Clive Woodward, though, isn't he? I mean, it's. I think it's a real shame, actually. And, and dare I say it. I think Steve Hansen's just about started wandering into that zone himself. Of those former coaches who just who just come out and and spout like this. I mean, obviously they're getting often getting paid to do it. I'm sure Sir Clive Woodward's getting paid to do it. But you know, Sir Clive Woodward really is dining out on on one one singular achievement in his coaching career, I think. Um, and beyond that, I mean, I think if I, was, if I was going to say who was the better overall coach out of Eddie Jones and, and to Clive Woodward, well, I think it's no-brainer for me. I know it's Eddie Jones all day long. Um, mm. But, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, I think, when former coaches like this um, come out and, and just really offer opinions that are just not really, not really needed, to be perfectly honest.
0: No, I think we've got Graham Beasley back. Graham, you were, you were saying about what a piece of work Sir Clive Woodward is.
2: Oh, isn't he, Jess? you know, you don't need these sort of ex-coaches sniping from the sidelines like that, and um, I'm, uh, I'm not sure if I said it before I got uh, cut off, we've got a few of them in this country across different sports as well, and they um, they don't really add anything to the narrative. Um, I agree that Eddie Jones is kind of a short-term sort of coach, um, a, a bit like a guy that we all know well in this um, in this call, uh, uh, Jose Mourinho, who... Um, comes in and generally does does improve things early on but then um then it all sort of gets a bit like sort of milk that's gone off and uh you know jones did last quite a while with england um they were unbeaten in 2017 made the world cup final in 2019 um but then yeah just 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 over time it all sort of becomes a bit stale but um it does seem surprising that they are looking internally and um you know from all all that we're hearing about borthwick i can't really see how, how that's going to turn it around, I'd have thought that they um they might have looked outside.
0: Yeah, I would have thought so too. Uh, and Andrew, I wonder whether or not uh, Wales pulling the trigger when they did and giving Gatlin the job has torpedoed one of their options, because there was some talk about Gatlin and the England job after the last Lions series.
1: Yeah, and, and um just to go back on to the point that you made previously, I'm, I'm a bit amused about this idea that Steve Borthwick is somehow going to be the solution for England, perhaps in a short-term um, capacity, but it doesn't—it wouldn't fill me with confidence. If I was an English rugby fan, and thank goodness I'm not. Um, if I was an English rugby fan, I would not be uh, confident or happy about the prospect of Steve Borthwick taking that team into the future. Um, from a New Zealand perspective, I'm very concerned about the fact that England have have made a move on Eddie Jones. Um, they clearly have a lot of money, right? They, they can go out and essentially buy whoever they want. So if they could convince Scott Robertson, they've certainly got the money to buy him out of his contract and, and get him in there. Um, and until, I suppose, Steve Borthwick is confirmed into that role, that would be probably my main concern. as as a you know as a, Obviously, as a supporter of rugby here in New Zealand, um, as, as Warren Gatlin said yesterday, I mean, I think he's a clear... Head and shoulders, standout candidate to be the next All Blacks coach and boy, oh boy, if England um, you know, are shrewd enough to get in there and grab them um, ahead of New Zealand rugby before they've got their ducks in a row or before they're prepared to make a move, um, my goodness, they'll be healthy.
0: Yeah, I, I agree, uh, Graham. and you know, I thought that was interesting from Gatlin, wasn't it? Uh, certainly hazing another former Chiefs coach with that comment.
2: <laughs> that was very interesting from Gatlin because because you know he didn't need to say it did he? But it's always good yeah you know, if you have got one ex-chiefs coach having a, you know basically trolling another ex-chiefs coach that um that makes for good theatre. But you see I would have thought that Scott Robertson would be a prospect for England because they have actually got time before the World Cup. They've got the Six Nations, um, they'll, they'll have some other practice games etc. So there is time to turn it around. And you look at the last victors of the men's Rugby World Cup and the women's one have been coached by people who have come in at about the same stage as Scott Robertson if he was to take over now.
0: Yeah, well, I suppose if you look back to, uh, what, the last World Cup, right, when Rassi Erasmus, how how long did he have when he was appointed Springboks coach? It wasn't that long, was it, Gordy?
2: About six months, I think, and about six months for Wayne Smith yeah, in in that team. So this sort of line that, oh, I'm building for World Cup and you can't change people, a year out from the World Cup. I, I just don't buy that logic. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, and then the other thing is, too, that, you know, like the Welsh did, they announced PIVAC was gone and unveiled Gatlin straight away. All of a sudden, England have sacked Jones, which we knew two days ago. It took them two days to announce it, and they haven't announced who the replacement is yet, which makes me think that maybe it's not as cut and dry, and, and there are conversations about people who maybe are under contract and they're trying to see if they can get them.
2: I totally yeah, agree and that's um, that's
1: the thing for me. That's the thing for me, Ricardo, because you read that re- press release from England Rugby, the second paragraph that really sticks out for me, the RFU will now conclude the long-term work it has been undertaken on coach succession planning with changes set to be announced in the near future. In the interim, Richard Cockrell will take over the day-to-day running of the men's performance team. Now that, I, like you've just said, Bale's made a decision, right? They cut PIVAC and Gatlin was straight in. Now, if, if their replacement was going to be Steve Borthwick, wouldn't you have that in line? Wouldn't you have that ready to go to announce right now? Um, that's the thing that has me a little concerned, I suppose, about the idea that perhaps they could go after after Scott Robertson on this. The other fact that I just want to mention as well, like, and we were talking before about the idea of Steve Borthwick taking over and how that's not wouldn't really be um, a great an easy sell, I don't think, for the England rugby public. I know we're talking different sports here, but just look at the England cricket team right now and, and, and what they're going through and the, the wave of, um, or the massive boost, I suppose, that they have received. Brendan McCullum has become the coach of their test team. Now, I think we all know that Brendan McCullum is not some, there's no secrets to his, to his test coaching ability or anything like that. It is all about mindset, and he is all about positivity and, and being prepared to take you know, tactical risks um, in the game and look at the, the positivity and the impact that it's having on the England cricket team. Now, I, I would not be surprised at all if people are making that similarity, uh, or making that comparison, I, I should say, that Scott Robertson is the sort of person who could come in and have a similar impact on the England rugby team. Like to say, I know we're talking about different sports here, but I think so much of coaching these days at international level in any sport is often about your ability to motivate and get players in behind you and follow your, your direction, not necessarily the blueprint how you want to play the game. And I think there's probably a few lessons that perhaps New Zealand rugby could learn on that front as
0: well. Yeah, you're not wrong. I've just had a text through from Mikey saying, regarding England having to buy Razor out of his contract, what hasn't been highlighted is that I'm 90% sure he has a get-out clause this year, so it could be a done deal. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. Um, now, I'm I'm looking out of the SENZ studio window, and I can see Mark Robinson talking to someone having a coffee at the moment. Uh, I, I'm, if that happens, Graeme, he's got to go straight to the desk and write his resignation letter, doesn't he?
2: I would think so. Yep. Yep. It would be a a huge opportunity miss, especially if the rumours are true about it was sort of close to being a done deal that he would be taking over the All Blacks a few months ago. And then they sort of they blinked. Um, Then, yeah, I I, I would think that that would be such a massive loss. And I do agree with Andrew that um, being a head coach, it's about mindset and all that kind of stuff. And I think we can be pretty sure that Scott Robertson would be as good as anyone um, in that kind of role. Big
0: talk, big opinions, the panel. Graham Beasley from sportsfreak.co.nz, Andrew Gordy from News Hub with us. And gentlemen, the FIFA World Cup, uh, we've just had the end of the round of 16. We know all the quarter finalists, but what a day today. Uh, Drama in the Morocco-Spain game. I had Spain to win this to nil. Um, I got that part right, but not much else, Gordy.
1: Yeah, you can say that again. Uh, Yeah, a massive shock, I've got to say. So, I think I woke up for the... For the extra time and the penalty shootout, can I can I just say though, it, it never ceases to amaze me how players just lose their bottle, lose their, their mindset and mentality when it comes to penalty shootouts. Some of the some of the penalties that we saw both like yesterday from from the Japanese players and this morning from the Spanish just absolutely astounding. Um, and just the wrong option in the wrong moment. Like, and, and I'm going to on Sergio Busquets here, but when you're the captain and your team is 2-0 down in a shootout and they need you to score, that, that, that approach of, of taking it slow, trying to see which way the, the keeper goes and having no real force behind your shot, that's not the option in that moment. Um, it just shows uh, an indecisiveness, a lack of conviction that's required in that moment. Um, and it's, it's fascinating to watch, isn't it? It is fascinating to watch, you know, players of, of supreme ability. It is such a leveller, um, the penalty shootout, because as soon as Morocco got on the board first um, and Spain missed, it was like, wow, we're, we're going to really see what people are made of now. And, and I'm, I'm always really intrigued as well by the dynamic of a penalty shootout, whether you are ahead in the shootout, level in the shootout, or behind in the shootout it has a massive impact on what you do both as a penalty taker and as a goalkeeper. And I I really have to applaud the the Moroccan player. I think it was the the player who took the last penalty. Akemi. You know, if you're ever going to send a ball straight down the middle, it's when your team is up in a shootout because the goalkeeper is of the mindset, I have to do something. I have to be decisive. I have to make a save. So that's the scenario where they're either going to dive hard left or hard right. But they're not going to stay in the middle, are they? So that's the moment to, to go down the middle. And, you know, people can say, oh, you know, wow, what's, uh, what guts it takes to pull off a Pernika or, or, you know, bury one down the middle uh, in that scenario. Actually, that, that, is the, that is the moment to do it because the goalkeeper is of a, of a mindset. They're desperate. And so they're not just going to stand in the middle and, and wait. They're going, to, they're going to make a decisive move. and that's where it comes off so yeah fascinating morning
0: fascinating morning and i tell you if uh, hakimi had big cojones taking that last penalty and putting it down the middle graham um i think fernando santos had even bigger ones by benching a certain someone ahead of the switzerland portugal game
2: <laughs> and um and he got the right person to replace him didn't he mm. boy that's quite a quite a fairytale really um you know for uh ramos to make his first appearance um of the tournament i think it was only the fifth time he'd played for the senior uh, Portuguese side in three immaculately taken goals um and real drama and um I hadn't seen that performance coming from Portugal who I thought had looked a bit sort of stuttery um going into this match. Um but then to turn around and do that, I think it's fair to say that um Ronaldo won't be starting in the um in the quarter final either and that um Portugal might just have found the guy to um you know, to have have the baton passed on to that was very emphatic from Portugal.
0: Yeah, they they certainly looked better without Cristiano Ronaldo, didn't they, Gordy? Just the movement, the pace, uh, the pressing, uh, everything they did. They just they gave the Swiss no time.
1: They did, mate. And you know, let's let's not underplay this. Like we've we've witnessed a pretty seismic moment in in football and and the world of football this morning. You know, there's obviously been a big narrative around Cristiano Ronaldo and, and his and his club situation leading into this tournament. The interview with Piers Morgan, and you know, essentially, you know, trying his way out of Manchester United, um, he has been humiliated on the biggest stage in world football this morning. Um, Make no no bones about it. He he has been humiliated. He has been embarrassed. Um, this is the you know a, a guy who considers himself you know, one of, if not the greatest player to ever play the game. Um, and it's his petulance that, that has seen it happen. And, 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 you know, Fernando Santos, you've got to say hats off to the guy for following through with the same conviction that Eric Ten Hag had, obviously, to, to bench him. But, you know, Ronaldo's not going to be able to do an interview with Piers Morgan and get a move to Saudi Arabia um, to play as international football, is he? Like, he's stuck there now. He's stuck on the bench. And after that performance, and, and like you quite rightly say, that was a performance that no one saw coming because we just hadn't seen that, that sort of type of football, I suppose, from, from Portugal. And now we know the reason why. And it is the point that people have been hammering home about Cristiano Ronaldo uh, for months now is that he, he, is, he, cannot do, he cannot or will not do the things that modern managers need him to do uh, in the modern game of football, and, and you saw it this morning. You obviously had a player um, replace him and and put in a performance that yeah will will go down in Portuguese football history. But but the other players around them were better as well. You know, Xafilo, who's a, who's a tremendous talent. Um, he looked better this morning. He was more prominent um, for for the Portuguese. And now they have they have a real opportunity, don't they, to get through to the semi-finals of the World Cup. And once you get to the semi-finals of a World Cup, who knows? And and the point here is that Cristiano Ronaldo, in all likelihood, will be watching the, the majority of the rest of Portugal stay in this tournament from the bench. And he's got to reflect in this moment, I think, and and just go, what have I done? What have I done both for my club career and my international career by carrying on like a child? Um, the lack of maturity he has shown for, a what is he, 37 year, years old and one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Um, he has really just let himself down, I think, um, with his with his words, with his actions over the last sort of 12 months. Um, and he's really only got himself to blame for the way that this is panning out.
0: Yeah, uh, 100% agree. 100% agree. All right, gentlemen, let's talk some cricket... Uh, Jimmy Neesham has been announced is going to be playing for the Hobart Hurricanes in the BBL. Uh, there's, I think, a record number of Kiwis playing in it this year. All, you know, guys that have taken the option to not have centralised contracts, or in Jimmy's case, it wasn't really an option, but yeah, there you go. Uh, Colin Munro, Colin de Gronholm, Trent Bolt, of course, uh, Martin Guptill, and now Jimmy Neesham. There's a, there's a few over there. Do you think, uh, Graham, that increases the visibility of the BBL here? Do you think more people will be inclined to tune in from the side of the ditch now?
2: Um, to a certain extent, although they're all playing for different teams, I think, aren't they? Mm. I actually find it quite hard to get into the BBL. It's, um, I think it's over bloated now. I think when it moved from six teams to eight, it lost a bit of quality. Um, there are actually a few sort of great cricketers that seem to pop up in it. Um, and even just the fact that the colours... Don't represent what we're used to. You know, when the BBL started, you had, the, you know, as there's a team in light blue, it was a New South Wales team, et cetera, et cetera. But now, because they've gone out of their way to um, move away from tradition and have all the teams wearing pretty random colours, with perhaps the exception of the Scorchers, um, it's sort of it's hard to identify. You turn it on and it's the MS playing the BB or something and you sort of you spend sort of half an hour trying to work out who's who and what, what what teams they are and all the rest of it so I just don't think it's got that identity um it's a bit like the IPL for me actually I just I've tried really hard to have a team um and even with all those um New Zealand players there now it's still going to be hard to sort of pick a team that that, that you want to win um and if you're watching sport like that it all just sort of blends into one, really. So, um, no, I mean, I I actually prefer the Super Smash. And I know that as New Zealand cricket fans, we're supposed to sort of bow down to um, Australia cricket or something. But at least you sort of know who the teams are. You've got a team that you're supporting. um, And, you know, and and you're watching uh, 11 New Zealanders playing uh, 11 New Zealanders. It seems far more relevant to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that, I appreciate that. I, I, Andrew, I don't know about you, but I always find it quite easy to, to, to figure out who to support in the Big Bash. It's whoever um, is playing against David Warner's team.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think most Kiwis could probably relate to that, mate. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of share the sentiments, really. I, the Big Bash doesn't really hold a, a great appeal for me. Um, we don't have a strong connection to it, do we? And, yeah, maybe that will change. There, there will be an, an additional interest. Like I'll be interested to see how niche goes, how Cupfield goes, how Trent Bolt goes, Colin, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it, I won't become attached to a particular team or anything like that. And it's the same for me in the Indian Premier League as well. I mean, to me, it's just entertainment. It's entertainment that you can chuck on of an evening. Um, the big bash League. I'm talking about here. I mean, You can check on the television, um, anything and consume it. But I'm not I'm not cheering for a particular team or anything like that. And and, and I think that's understandable too. Like it's really a competition for an Australian audience, isn't that? It? Because it's it's their competition and it's their players who will be, I suppose, will by and large, be in contention to go on to play for Australia. But and that's and that's the thing with the with the Super Smash here. You know, we have we're invested in, it, aren't we? Because we we know that if we watch this competition and we, we watch the players who perform, there's a very good chance we might see them, um, you know, doing the very same thing for New Zealand down the track. So I think it's I think it's understandable to a degree that, you know, perhaps Keatings aren't totally invested in, in the Big Bash or the Indian Premier League, um, and perhaps more invested in their own competition. And that's, that's a good thing. Uh, that's a good thing for New Zealand cricket. I think, um, in the future of the game
0: as well. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more, gentlemen. All right, thank you very much for your thoughts. Uh, always appreciate your time. Go well and uh, enjoy the rest of the week.
2: I don't know yeah. what to do for the rest of the week now we've got two <laughs> days off of football. Yeah, no it's
0: football. No. What are we supposed to do? I don't know. Supposed to do time, it's going to
2: feel really weird, isn't
0: it? It is. It's going to be very strange, yeah. very strange. Well, yeah, I suppose you can watch the White Ferns Bangladesh today. That gives you one thing to do this afternoon, Graham.
2: That's true. Yep, we'll do that from um, from Queenstown.
0: Yeah, indeed. Gentlemen, thank you again. Go well. And uh, we'll be back with another panel tomorrow from around 20 past 10.